Thank you. Wow, you're the best. Okay, let's pray and we'll get started. Hey, everybody. My name is Dele Okwabi, and I'll be your presenter today from 21st Century Church. We're a small church plant in Cincinnati. Uh, we started meeting uh, about eight weeks, eight weeks ago in person, but we've been building community for about 15 months. And, um, and so, yeah, just to make sure you're in the right section, can someone give me the title of this section, this course? Do you have any? The Church as a Movement. There we go. My iPad's not working, so I'm going to be using some notes uh, from my phone. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get started. Father, we thank you so much uh, for today. God, I pray that you would just refresh us, um, give us hearts that are open, ears that are open. Let us see what you see for your church. God, give us a new reimagination, not based on man-made principles, strategy, but based on your divine roadmap for your church. Help us, Jesus. Amen. I'm going to show a picture here of a, I believe, does anyone know what this car is right here? No, no. Let's, we're going to blow it up for you and see, enter full screen. This car is a Fiat, watch this, it's a Fiat Multipla, right? And automobile designers for the Fiat uh, had a desire to design a car that could fit six people in two rows. Six people in two rows. So they designed the Fiat Multipla in 2000. <laughs> this car won the Top Gear Car Ugliest Car yes. of the Year Award. <laughs> and so this car is a great example of when we say form follows function. Okay, you got it, right? I don't want to church that ugly. I know, we don't, <laughs> yeah, we don't want to church that ugly. Yeah, Jesus did not create a church that ugly, but he did create a church that he knew the function of it, and there's a form for it. This session began when uh, a friend of ours proposed this question. What caused the early churches to grow from 25,000 to 20 million 25,000 to 20 million in 200 years. How did the Chinese underground church grow from 2 million to over 100 million in 60 years despite considerable opposition without professors, without leaders, training facilities, buildings, awesome youth pastors with cool clothes and pants and hair, that worship leader that can really bring in the presence? The dynamic kids ministry that just gets it all right. And the kids, how was kids church today? It was awesome. All the things we feel that we need, how did they, how did they explode like that? And I begin to ponder that question. And I begin to ponder that question. And I begin to read Deuteronomy 28, where, you know, the church today is, uh, Jesus did not come to start a new religion called Christianity. He came to teach about the kingdom of God as an extension as a Jewish rabbi. Deuteronomy 28, God's call for Israel was to be raised high above all nations. The form, uh, sorry, the function for the church is to disciple all ethnos, all nations. And so if that's our fundamental call. What kind of machine do we need 
to disciple whole nations. What kind of shape must this thing, how must this thing be built to even handle the job? Fire trucks, they, they build them with a certain kind of way to hold a certain amount of, uh, not water, but pipes and ropes to accomplish that job. And so when I begin to see church as a movement, I begin to think about why isn't there movement? Why do we have a bunch of churches, but we haven't really, if we're transparent, we have not discipled the city. Big difference between have we planted a bunch of churches versus have we discipled the whole city. And when you start thinking about that, you start realizing, oh my gosh, this is a bigger call. And so what I want to share is literally what we've been discovering is that we have to start seeing each local church as a movement that's hinged and is connected to the greater work of the kingdom of God. And I want to draw something real simple that I believe expresses the shift that we need to, we need to make when we see church. So I'm going to write three things here. Church plus, I'm going to write ecosystem. Can you create a couple of tabs for Bellwether, for Love and Unity Project, for Cross Worship, um, Jane, uh, ClaimingIdentity.com, that's Jane Doe. And just hold those tabs, we'll show those in a minute. So, I want to give some theology to help us out in a little bit. Is that okay? Alright. To kind of show you where I'm going for this. When the main function is to disciple nations, you think differently. So I'm just going to go some, some just some practical historical things real quick. Um, the word eongelion is not a religious word. Where it's where we get our um, our, our word evan- evangelion, evangelism. That's where we get that word. It really comes from the Pax Romana, the Roman peace. And it was, it's literally like the good news. Rome is here, historically, to take over. <laughs> and you're going to have peace. It's the good news of the kingdom of Rome. That's why the disciple says, are you at this time going to reestablish the kingdom of heaven? Thinking about nations, kingdoms, really big. Second thing, uh, salvation. That also was not a spiritual word. That Jesus used because if you Google this and research this, um, uh, salvation was also to be found in no other name than Caesar Augustus. Right? The Priene calendar, uh, P R I E N E, I'm just giving you some historical research, calendar inscription, and it states this the most divine Caesar, Caesar we should consider equal to the beginning of all things. For everything was falling into disorder and tending to, towards dissolution. He restored it once more and gave the world a new horror. And so when Caesar came into power, they really put like a new calendar year. When he came, it's called a P-R-I-E-N-E. You can look that up. So Jesus said, I'm going to create a new ecclesia, a new church. Uh, not, not church, but we translate it as church. It's not church, it's ecclesia, a community, a group of people for a societal movement. In Acts, I think, chapter 19, they had an unlawful ecclesia, an unlawful assembly. I'm going somewhere with all this. And so the point is that the local church is the place where the movement is in mind. You plant this local community, the kingdom message, with movement in mind. 
to reach nations, but you begin Judea, Judea, Samaria, to the end of the world. So already how you're building it, you already have a different um, function for your church. It's no longer, I got my own little vision, I want to plant a church. It's I have to disciple this city. I have to disciple this nation, which means, I taught about this in my other class, I'm going to need an APES team. It's too big to reach this whole entire city by myself, because that's my task. One church won't cut it. I'm a favor of big church. I'm a favor of massive 10, 20,000 member churches. Because I know that's the only way I'm going to disciple a whole city. It's the only way I'm going to have influence enough to move that whole city. The bride and the, the spirit and the bride say, come. We're preparing a way for our master to come. And so that he, we have a people that the church has so reached their city and they're professing that he's Lord, that he comes back and he steps into his lordship. The spirit of John the Baptist prepares the way of the coming king. And so this idea is now, when you know that's what you're supposed to do, you plant the church. That's your location. But what you also need to do as you're planting the church to have what we believe is the fundamental aspect of movement thinking is your church has to have an ecosystem or what you can, some people call it network, but I, I don't like to use network. A 21st century church, we say our mission is to help you fulfill yours. What's your name? Cameron. Cameron. All right. So Cameron comes to your church. She gets here. I'm just going to, I'll use 21st century. She comes to 21st century church. Our mission, Cameron, is to help you fulfill your mission. Cameron comes here and she says, I have a vision to like reach these kids or to do, you know, I'm just going to use an example like that, right? So the idea is you want to help release each individual member of your church to create different ecosystems in society. And this is where the term societal movement comes from. Reimagining the 21st century church as a societal movement. Case in point, it's already happening. It's called Navigators. Right? It's called Young Life. Right? And you name all the things that we call parachurch organizations that exist and they detach themselves from what? This. And here's all the... Uh, Chi Alpha. Uh, how do we spell XXX? C-H-I-F. Chi Alpha. So they have their whole movement. They're all in college campuses. And they're creating that movement here. So the, the societal movement and what I'm proposing for the church to transition into societal movement, we have to realize that these two go together. Churches are exploding things in their community and as an ecosystem that's all created, but this stuff is happening in your neighborhoods, in your zip codes, in your cities, but they're rooted in here. This is what moves a city. What we do is we plant more of these. We have 10 to 15 campuses. And what we do is we created a network of churches. And then we want to get society to come in here. We have it. I don't know if that's backwards or which way that is. I'm not too sure. But we have to be able to create churches 
that our fundamental goal is to disciple people, release them with vision on teams into society to create movement that hits, some people call it like, you know, the seven mountains, right? Business, culture, um, education, and we're in all these spheres of society intentionally. And without that simple uh, form, the ugly car, I don't think this is that ugly, I think it's actually beautiful. Without this form, you have no shot at movement. What you have a shot of is 10 campuses in a city that doesn't move the entire city at all. But you got 10 campuses. But when you start thinking, what's the purpose of my 10 campuses? That gives me the ecclesia. It's a good thing to have 10 campuses. It gives me the ecclesia that I need to help Cameron develop who she is, what her gifting is, not so she can be a greeter. Those are house duties, house chores, like everybody has. We need a greeter. We need somebody to help lead worship. We need somebody. This is the institution that trains you for the societal movement that happens. But we've been training people to do this. Are we together? And so all our entire training is how to run this thing. That's why really sharp people don't want to, because they, they're like... No, I don't want to be a part of this. This isn't exciting. But when you say, hey, we have education. How are we going to, where's all the teachers and all our 10 campuses? Let's strategically create a plan to highlight all the schools that all our teachers are at. And let's figure out what, is it whiz kids? Is it this? And let's all with these 10 campuses get all our teachers on mission in here. And then we start meeting them. We start starting Bible studies here. We start doing this. And then one of our teachers has a strategic plan to become the, uh, what do you call it? The superintendent. We work that whole thing. And before we know it, we claim Jesus as Lord in the education system. And so I, it's, this is not a deep teaching, but it is a hard teaching. Because it requires you to change everything about how our current church operates and then your whole focus is to do this. So I'll just share a little bit about some of the things we did. So under the um, education sector, we started, uh, the Lord gave us this mission. We want to tackle race. Um, maybe this is like education and justice, race, class, and gender. Um, so we started the Love and Unity Project. So our society doesn't have the question for race right now. They don't have the question, I mean, excuse me, they don't have the answer for race, classism, or gender issues. But the church does. So we started the Love and Unity Project. And the Love and Unity Project is where we help um, churches and organizations deal with racism, classism, and gender. And we write curriculum and it gets us in the door. So we're Christians going in here helping everybody figure this race thing out. Even the church. Um... We started, let's say, Bellwether Academy. This is a preschool that we have where we're, the preschool also deals with race, but it also helps with just normal, excellent education and different things like that. So we're realizing where are all the teachers? Who has a dream? Who has a mission? Who has a vision? Let's release these people into society. And what if, uh, 
we started another company. Um, we just started this one. It's called, uh, is it Jane Doe? Yeah, let's go to Jane Doe. So this is a brand identity company. So people who want to go and launch their own thing and start their own mission, you need, if you're in the 21st century, you need to know how to be on social media. You need to know how to create videos. You need to know how to, the digital landscape. If you win there, you own it. So we started a brand identity company to help all the people with mission and vision start their own companies, start their own vision, start their own identity. Because if we release them, we win the city. Then there's a music group called Cross Worship Music. Um, our video is the highest rated Christian video on YouTube in 2020. Uh, I'm not sure if you guys heard the So Will I video with Osby Berry. He's like a worship leader. It went viral. So we released music here to bring the church together. A friend of mine that by the name of Troy Carberth, he started this nine years ago. He started this. And now our whole goal is to unite the church, black and white, and I serve under his leadership, and I'm a partner in this, to unite the church, black and white, to write songs and teach each church how to write their own songs. But it starts with the church, but we want to really infiltrate the music industry through this. And so the whole heart of the matter is we have to begin to think, I, I, I propose to you that we have to begin to think, oh, God has called us as a church as a movement, my local church of 50 people. By the way, our church has 30 to 50 people. And we just planted, you know, so I'm, we're not a big church. But we have, we have this in our minds. And everything we're building here is with this in mind to create a movement. And so this is the flip and the suggestion I say for churches. Otherwise, we just keep planting these. And wonder, like, hmm, I haven't really, like, really just reached the whole zip code or the whole city. It's because it's not in mind. What we have in our mind is to keep doing more of these. And it's just a small little switch that can unleash these. And then once you unleash this, we taught this last session, you do need a pest gifting. You do need love and unity training because love and unity deals with race class and gender and in our culture if you can't have proper conversations about this you can't do anything and so this is what i wanted to present um and so you can take all that down and then yeah i just want to take questions i can talk more about theology on why this is the way it is but the the the, the key is not missional communities the key is not fresh expressions. The key is not a dinner party. The key is not this. It's not, it's not all these things. It's you focus on Cameron and you disciple her. You focus on James and you disciple James. You focus on people and you release them in teams into society. So I'll take some questions and just really we can just kind of like have like a conversation about this um, and, and discuss it more. Yeah. Yeah. So movement is the goal. Yes. How do you know when you've reached your goal? Yes, it's a good question. I think it, it really, if I'm thinking, I would say influence is it. You've influenced the system, and you now have favor with even people who are not believers, and you are rubbing elbows with them. What we're so worried about non-believers influencing the church. 
it should, yeah, we flip it. But we influence them in a way that actually brings life, that doesn't try to take over, that doesn't say you guys are wrong, we have it right. It says that when we bring this new thing to the school system and we help the school system figure out why these kids are not, you know, maybe they're not learning properly and we realize there's nothing wrong with this precious kid. It's the biases that we have in teaching these kids and, you know, and we help them and we win favor with them. And the principal who may not be even a believer says, I don't know what it is about you, but I like what you guys are doing. You have favor with man and you're like, boom, we got this whole school district on lock. We have, they ask us for prayer. They ask us for all these things. The end goal, I think, is to bring the kingdom of God. And through the kingdom of God, they get the gift of salvation. And I think we've, we've brought the gift of salvation first. And to try to introduce them to the kingdom of God. Is that making sense? So I think it's, it's influence. You know, for us, for us, you know, if we talk about, um, let's say, the preschool situation... It's fully establishing this thing so that people can say, hey, how come your preschool is getting it right? How come your numbers are right? How come you're, you're breaking all the you know, barriers that they have? When they come asking for questions, that, I think that's when you know that you've got it right. So when the doors are open and you can shine the light in, that's... that's yes. Yeah, and then it, it, happened, it happened so much. I think, it, you know, what's the story of Joseph when he came in? He's like, hey, you, you run the whole thing. You know, that's, that's incredible. So I think that's, to me, that would be like a clear sign that movement. And then there comes a point where your movement is so strong, it literally, like Jesus says, and the kingdom of darkness can't prevail against it. And the only way to have a movement that strong is because you're all throughout society. You're everywhere, in every sector, business, education, um, uh, culture, arts, all those different places. But if we don't even have that as a, uh, a form of where we want to be, we can't even build it. And I guess that's what I'm trying to say. That's not in, I, I don't believe that's in many of our top of minds. Our top of minds is I want to plant more churches. And magically, we'll have a movement. Yeah, yeah, we actually, we're just starting, and so what we do is, the mission of our church is, our mission is to help you fulfill yours. So that automatically lets people say, well, what do you mean? I'm supposed to have a mission? I'm a, I'm a nurse, or I'm a doctor. We're like, that's your vocation. But you are an extension of the sending Jesus. So they come through the process of some leadership development, some training, and nine out of no, 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 a majority of people do not know what they want to do. So we ask them to follow somebody else's vision until they discover their thing. And then let's build a team or let's find somebody else who wants to do your team and you all go together. You know, And you can jump in at any time on the if you have any thoughts. Or... Maybe you should talk about our residency and Next. Yeah, that's good. So when someone comes in, we have something called Next. So when she comes in with a, hey, Cameron, you've been coming here. We see this in you. We want, are you prepared to take your next step? She's like, what's next? Next is a six-week uh, small group or course that helps you take your next step towards your mandate for God in our city. And after she goes through next, 
then we have like an internship or an apprenticeship. Then you go to a six-week apprenticeship where we coach her up, figure out what the weaknesses, figure out what the strengths are. Then after that, we're like, hey, why don't you go through our six-month residency? And in that six-month residency, that's where she has a project to do that's towards her mandate or towards her mission. She does it within the context of the church. The church fuels it, gives her resources, branding, identity, help to see that vision through. And just a little tiny project, just get a little win. And then it gives other people around to say, oh, I like what you're doing, Cameron. I want to do that. Or we say, Cameron, you know what? That group's already doing that. Why don't you go help that group and be a part of that in here? So I think church, we've had it. So that, that would be our current training model. But we've had it where by Cameron... I want to help you. God has a great call of your life right in here. All right, questions? Another one? Or any other questions or thoughts? In your public, I guess, I would say pulpit ministry, mm -hmm. how much of this is front and center? Mm -hmm. And how much of this is subtext? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? And mm -hmm. what you're saying every week to your people. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yes, great question. So, I would say what is front and center in our church, actually from our website, and from every, the minute you hit anything we do, the experience is we are building something. What? We don't say. Um, our name tags on our church, it says, the name tag literally says, ready to build. When you come through the front door, the sign says, you came at just the right time. We need your gift. Or, or, yeah, you came at just the right time. Hint, the world needs whatever you got. So that's the first thing you hit. We don't say welcome. Like, I don't need you to be welcome. Like, you ready to go? <laughs> I mean, like, why do we... Like, well, yeah, so as soon as you hit the door, it says, we start with wonder. And then it says that you came at just the right time. Hint, it needs whatever, you're, whatever, whatever you have, the world needs it. And then you come in and everybody has name tags that says ready to build. And then we say, hey, welcome to 21st Century Church, where our mission is to help you fulfill yours. So we, that's what is introduced to the whole body. Our mission is to help you fulfill yours, because if I can unlock that in you, then we can start dreaming about this. So we don't introduce all this on a Sunday morning, but the church begins to see all this because they're like, oh, we have the Love and Unity Project, and we're teaching that university or, or that school like her school, my wife did a whole project on race for them. Like fixing that and creating peace is a godly thing, you know, around that. And so the church hears our mission is to help you fulfill yours. We're building something. And then as they start seeing more and more stuff, we'll start introducing societal movement. I think if we introduce them now, they'll just be like, but, but we're a church. But we preach Jesus. And I'm like, this is preaching Jesus. Yes, please do. I think the only thing I would add to that is once somebody has attended, you know, several times and is getting introduced, the thing that we invite them to is called built. It's called built, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we do begin to introduce this idea Thank of you. societal yeah, movement yeah. and yeah. The, the possibilities for next. That's more in a small group setting as opposed to, like, pulpit. Yes, okay. yeah. The things that he mentioned are the things that you see in pulpit. But once you've been, you know, I would say... Four months. You, 
Yeah. Build is every uh, fifth Sunday of the month. Every fifth Sunday. So once you've been four months or mm-hmm. less, yep. you would go through build. So you do get introduced to the right there and build. Yeah. Relatively early mm-hmm. in the process. Yeah, and literally say, hey, if you've been coming to Twenty First Century Church and you're and you feel ready to build, come. So from the whole get go, we're like we are building, and then there we start exposing a lot of these things to them, to folks, and it's new for folks. But from what we've seen, a lot of people are like, I've been waiting for adventure. I've been waiting for something exciting. Let's, let's go. The other thing that's true is, as a staff, you know, monthly, mm-hmm. early at least, we're going through our entire list of folks and saying, okay, where, do they know their mandate yet? Where are they at um, their next step? Mm-hmm. Where are they? So the, the um, evaluation of where our congregation is at is directed also towards what are what are they supposed to build? Do they know it yet? And how do we get on to the next step in that? Because mm-hmm. if we focus on people, we will actually plant more churches and we will actually reach the city. And so, but if we focus on like, our vision is Jesus and our mission is to help you fulfill yours. And, you know, I talk about how that's why sometimes vision can stop this because somebody says I want to start a brand identity company and we're like well our church is vision and mission we're here to do this and do this and this and we're not starting a brand identity company but if we start a brand identity company then everybody at our church who wants to do something guess who's going to handle all their branding right here so any other questions or thoughts around this Yes. Praying toward, mm-hmm. like, okay, look, we see this need, we mm-hmm. see this gap, we see this felt need where we can come in and share the love of Jesus, mm-hmm. and be the hands and feet of Jesus, and plug in some of the people who are growing and building and want to move. Maybe, you know, so it's not just building the people that come in the door, but mm-hmm. also recognizing the opportunities that are there. Um, just what are some, some I, I mean, listed some that are really yeah. column, but what are some of those needs and how are you discovering them? And, yeah. And how are you keeping that in the forefront of your, like, you know, your prayers and discovering that? Yeah, that's a good question. I think for me, uh, well, Nia might have a different perspective or a different answer. She might be able to pinpoint some things. We have focused on people. So I have just focused on f- building into people and sending them on mission. Because when I go to go fulfill a need that's true... I'm have to gather people who are not passionate about that need. Even though they're like they're there, but if you've ever tried to get a group of people to go do a community event or to go do something, it's it's successful, but for me I haven't just me, I haven't seen that as sustainable. Not that it's not good. I'm always a champion of that. I'm always like, "Hey, we're going to go to the school. Hey, we're going to go here." And every time I have to rally the crew Whereas when I focus on igniting what God has put in them, there's no rallying. There's a sending. And so although that is critically important, I probably think it's probably um, my mandate is to make, personally, I feel like my mandate is making disciples. I actually think I would do a terrible job if I went (laughs) to the neighborhoods and to the schools and tried to figure out what their need was. 
But I feel like the people, the believers that come here, I send them in here to go meet the needs. So I'm still doing it, but I, I guess I'm doing it a different way. Do you have any thoughts you want to add to that? that? No, I mean, that's, that is exactly the strategy. Um, and we have people come through our doors who are just like, I've always cared about, you know, um, issues of poverty. Or I've always cared about um, development of uh, career development of people. Or I always cared about the housing crisis. And I always wanted to help fix that. Or I always cared about issues in government. So all of the things that we would go out and find, we're just instead finding the people who already have that in their heart, and then there's not a, there's not a, uh, we don't have to compel them. God has already compelled them. Mm-hmm. We just have to train them. Mm-hmm. And go ahead. Maybe I'm naive, really, and, and I'm, I agree with a lot of what you're at because really this is just a biblical model of discipleship. Mm. It's really what you're doing is what is in scripture. Mm-hmm. I take my person who, and. Now, you can't, I'm in a little difference here. I'm not a plan. I'm in a turnaround church. Mm-hmm. Okay. Been here 90 years, and we're, praise God, he's smarter than me. But we're taking people, our, my role is, my, what I see where we come to today, mm-hmm. where we're at now, is to be able to say, the people that come in, they're going to be somewhere I can't go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're going to meet people I can't touch. Mm-hmm. So i got to help them find that so they can invest those people in, in those yes, sir. community. They can reach those people in the community. Mm-hmm. I've got to help equip them. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'm not the best one at equipping them, but probably somebody else better than me because mm-hmm. I, I'm like you. I'm not going to do well in that. So yeah, yeah. Go, go in and say, hey, what's the need? And what happens too when we start meeting needs, we don't truly meet the real need, which is their spiritual need. Mm-hmm. We're worried about their physical need, and all of a sudden, we're not introducing them to the kingdom, we're not mm-hmm. introducing them to the Savior. Yeah. So I, I think we, we, that's why I feel we're. I've seen some of our models in church. I'm like, why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. There's things we do in church, right? Why do we do it? Well, we did it for 50 years. Mm-hmm. It wasn't successful mm-hmm. on year one. Why are we still doing it for 50? I think the problem is we're not focused on discipling people to make disciples and make disciples and make disciples to reach their community. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, I see exactly what you're saying. Yeah, and and I can't take a, a doctor and tell him how to be a better doctor but yeah. I can help him follow Jesus. Yeah, And I think to, that's a great, great, great point. You know, even to add to that point, to even validate a little bit more so what Dan is saying here, is that we might have somebody, and this is why this creates movement, we might have someone like Brother Dan who says, hey, Pastor Dele, we need to go out here and see what the needs are. And I'm going to say, Dan, my mission is to help you fulfill yours. Why don't you go out there, go check that out for me, and go figure out all those needs and then we're going to start whatever ministry Dan decides to start where we start praying for a person and so now Dan because he might be an evangelist he might want to be the person who goes out so with this movement thinking your personal mission for a church doesn't stop the move of God in Dan we help and then other people might come that are similar spirits as Dan who wants to now we have a whole ministry we're doing both we got people out there figuring out those needs, praying, and then saying, we found a school that needs a teacher. If there's a teacher who wants to reach the school. So this model allows the people to create movement rather than your vision or your mission statement. I kind of did this with a women's ministry this year. Mm-hmm. I'm a women's leader. And I saw that the women wanted to and they each have a calling. Mm-hmm. One of the women has a heart for the... Uh, nursing homes. Mm-hmm. So I have her doing things in the nursing home, like you know, getting a list of things mm-hmm. that the women need 
of an elderly me at the, you know, Christmas time and reaching out at Mother's Day. You know, yeah. And, and that's her heart. And then another lady wanted to do a food pantry. So that's starting to become successful. But mm -hmm. they each have a calling. Yes. They have somebody to organize them and yes. get them involved. And so each thing is taking off. Mm -hmm. so. And it's really a shift in church models because we've been really program oriented where we oh well even within the church mm -hmm. not just in the community but it reflects how we do things mm -hmm. in the church you know how we do things in the community it'll reflect how we do things in the church because mm, that's say, good somebody comes up to you and says oh that's we good need, we need a you know an outreach to the to the shut-ins mm-hmm I, so I just changed churches and, and actually went from a church that was more, uh, well, less program-oriented to one that I'm trying to help shift. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but they uh, used to be, if, if somebody would come up to the pastor and say, hey, we need, we need a ministry of shut-ins, he'd say, congratulations. Mm -hmm. you're, you're the head of the ministry of shut-ins. Mm -hmm. And if they were like, no, I don't feel called to that, well, then that's not something we need to do. Mm -hmm. Or maybe you pray for somebody, mm -hmm. but for the longest time in the church, we've we've decided on programs mm -hmm. and then just shoved people into it mm -hmm. like a square peg in a round Because we, what's your name, sir? Daniel. Daniel, because what Daniel is highlighting to keep all these people happy, we have to create. Excuse me, happy is not the appropriate word. Uh, forgive me. To keep th this thing moving forward. We do have to create things that are well-meaning, that are that are that are good. But I think, as Daniel is saying, when we think about what our Lord calls us to do, He calls us to create a social movement out here. So we create all these amazing things for people in here with our 15 campuses and our best this, and, and then we want to invite them here. And do you know study shows that within three to five years of somebody getting saved, this system does such a good job, they disconnect from all their unsaved friends. This system requires them to cut off all their unsaved friends. This fundamentally changed their whole entire life. All the programs, all the activities, they are here three days a week. Yes, Matt. So I was just, I was just so excited by your point, Daniel. Sorry, finish. No, I mean, that's... So I think that really reflects, because, I mean, yeah, we still have to do things in mm -hmm. the church, but you know what, we, we don't, you know, if your church doesn't have somebody that has a heart for kids, mm -hmm. well, maybe you need to pray <laughs> But but then, okay, well, then we don't have a kids program. And you, and, and you, you yeah, and you pray for that because you're, you're building a community. So I just give you a couple of things about form and function and design. Uh, I'm not sure if you've ever seen like one of those Coca-Cola commercials where you see all the Coke bottles like coming through the little machine. If one of those Coke bottles, and this is one of my wife Onia's biggest passions, if one of those Coke bottles wanted to like jump out, it can't. Where they designed it forces it to go where it needs to go. So one of the things in how we designed our ch this 21st century church, we don't have small groups. We don't have so many things that a normal, I shouldn't say normal, um, that, a, 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 that a church has. And we don't have as many, we don't have those because we wanted to create a design like the iPhone. When they built this, they're like, you're not going to put that other jack in here. 
So all your old jacks that you just, the quarter inch jacks that you just plug in, the design creates the function of how you can use this. I have to go by. So from the minute they get to the door, because we don't have small groups, we have communities. And some of you may know them as missional communities. Like you, They're like, oh, what's your small group? When are we going to do this? We don't do that. We don't have that. We don't have that. So we design this so that people automatically get into community where they can be loved. And through the love, it makes way for discipleship. It makes way for counseling. And so the, another way that I example, take, talk about it, we can take some more questions, is when Elon Musk designed the Tesla, he knew he could make a car completely different than what people are used to, because then they wouldn't buy it. So it looks like a car, but under the engine, it's an electric. It's completely different, right? It has four tires, but they operate different. It has a gas tank, but it doesn't use the same gas. He knew he had to form it in such a way that it looks like the normal car to get interest. So I am not in favor of doing away with the local church. This is the institution that teaches people the principles to that. So another question? Anybody? Thoughts? Questions? I'd like to talk about multiplying it by a million. Yeah, let's talk about that. Um, so one of our mentors, he would talk to us. We're having a conversation, and he was like, you know, share me your vision or share me your dream. And we would tell him, he would say, now multiply it by a million. And he was like, now nah, God can get involved there. He's, you know, jokingly, but he's saying that this is God is interested in nations and cities. Think about it. He's God. And he's called us to be there. And this came through the story, I believe, it's the guy with the Habitat for Humanities. Um, um, he wanted to build homes. And he's like, I want everybody to be able to afford a home. And he's like, I'm going to start a construction company. He's like, multiply that by a million dollars. Oh, it's not going to work. Can't do it by a construction company. And he said, well, I'm going to do this big thing. He said, oop, it doesn't work. So he kept trying to multiply by a million. And the bigger and the more programs and more things he tried to do, it wouldn't reach a million people. Multiply by a million. And then he finally said, to multiply my vision by a million, I just have to get a hammer into everybody's hand. He cut off all the construction company. He cut all the extra stuff. I just need to get it. Because how many Americans are there? This many. If I just get one hammer. So this movement thinking actually makes you simplify all this. Is that what you were getting at? Absolutely. And the reason why I wanted to say that is because like, you're doing a fantastic job of figuring out what are your women passionate about and where can they be involved. And so then, mm. um, and you know, this differs by life stage. If you're 75 years old, <laughs> maybe you don't have time for all this. <laughs> but if you're 35, yeah, you do. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're passionate about nursing homes, what is it about nursing homes? How do we design a better nursing home? How mm. do we create spaces where the kingdom of God, Come on, somebody that it is, is showing up through this passion about the nursing home? So an example from one of the things, we mentioned cross-worship. But if you're not in music, um, you know, one of the things you may not know is how segregated Christian music is. Even more so than secular music. Mm-hmm. You have one set of producers for, Christ- for CCM, one set of producers for gospel. You have one set of radio stations for, Christ- for CCM, one set of radio stations for gospel, and one set of awards for each, and all the way down. So you try to bring white people and black people together in worship, the first thing the record producers says is, well, 
which one are you? Because you can only be one or the other. They literally, we had a major record label literally say, you can't do that because we can't sell that. You got to be gospel. It's too black for the white It's too black. It's too black. The music is too black. And it's too... Right? And they literally said, you have to pick one. But here's what we know. If we're planting churches of all ethnos, we need music that's both. And so rather than signing with them, we said no. And then another record label came, and then we said, hey... We we're, we're gonna you just you're gonna distribute the music we play. They're like, great, we'll take a cut of it and you do whatever you want. So now we can write songs for the multi-ethnic church that are written by black people, that are written by white people, and hopefully we'll start working with some national people in the secular arena and share the love of Christ with them. That's the the, the thing behind multiplying five million. We live in a society that is. Um, broken in so many ways. Yes, it Jesus. It doesn't operate based on righteousness. People don't have what they need to thrive. And so we could have said, okay, well, we're just going to have a band and bring together groups of people and we'll have a concert. But that would not have gotten at the underlying brokenness. Mm. So for us, multiplying it by a million is you're passionate about this thing. Find out the places where it doesn't line up with what the kingdom of God looks like. And we're going to make it look like the kingdom of God. And maybe they'll take you 30 years. Um, but you got time. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the beauty of it, what we dream about of this, of this um, re, we call it reimagining the 21st century church. Just reimagine it, but not on anything new, on the founder's intent. Jesus' intent for it to be a movement that hits the nations. There's nothing new. I mean, how beautiful would it be if, you know, Two churches, three churches in a city with the APES team, if they, all their leaders get together, they humble themselves, they pray, they fast, and they partner up. They start thinking differently and they start thinking towards this. I think we can get so much further, so much faster, and all our paradigms have to shift in here. Take a few more questions or thoughts or questions, ideas, or just stuff that you might have been thinking throughout the process. Maybe from someone who hasn't said anything. That maybe you've been thinking, you've been processing. I always love to do that for any folks who are, don't like to speak, but anybody? Okay. So I'll talk about one thing, and then I'm going to close this out. So, you know, where do you start, right? Where do you start? I would humbly suggest you begin with prayer and begin to think, like, is this something God is calling you to? Is, 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 is begin with prayer, and then if you're a leader, if you're, you know, if you have any position of influence, begin with prayer. Begin with studying scripture about bigness, because I know so many people, we don't do big church. We, I don't like big church. I'm like... No, I don't, I don't want to do big church, but I do want to reach my city. And to reach my city, I do need an army in every sphere of life. So, so like, and Jesus says the kingdom of God is like yeast, that it grows and 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 it grows. And so I think the first fundamental start is prayer and seeing if this is something the Lord is calling you to, to begin a movement. Then I think the second thing is like, Lord, as O'Neill mentioned, what area do they not have kingdom? As you said, brother, what area do, do they have a need that the kingdom of God and maybe the Lord will give you that mandate for an area? 
And then you begin to take it to your local community, uh, your leaders, your other leaders, sharing this concept of movement with them. And I think then you kick in what we call love and unity, because when you go into this world, you're going to run into race, class and gender all day, every day. And then you're going to need a dynamic team to have it to be able to do that. Um, so we're going to start a cohort for the Ohio Ministry Network in about a month. And we don't know what we're calling it, but it's we, we would love to share these ideals and create a community of people that are learning these ideals together, implementing together. Uh, it's called like a, um, wherever there's a move, there's always a scene where the move happens. So like the Beatles, there was like a bar and everybody was coming to the bar and then boom, the Beatles pop out, right? And so any kind of thing that happens in history, there's always a scene where it happens. And so we would love to establish a cohort of a scene where we're talking about, you know, movement as a church. We're talking about love and unity, race, class, and gender. We're talking about... Um, how to build APES teams, how to discover those things so that our churches can really begin to, those who would like to take this path. Amen. So, uh, Pastor Allah has some information. Our website is 21stCenturyChurch.com. And uh, be praying for us. We need it as a young church plant. We have like 35 to 50 people, and most of our time is spent mentoring and discipling them. And we're really young, and we could really use your prayers. So I'm going to pray and end the day. Father, we thank you for our network, Ohio Ministry. Father, we thank you for Pastor John and all of our leaders. We pray a blessing, a covering upon their families. We ask you for wisdom for them as they lead us. Father, this plan for Ohio for Jesus, I pray for each leader in here, um, young adult, older adults, God, we pray that we know you have a place for us in this Ohio for Jesus plan. Each kid, help us find our place in this big vision. Father, I pray for anyone in here who might be feeling discouraged or just sad. God, I pray that you would encourage them. God, I pray for those in this place who are needing leaders to join their team. Leaders and really gifted people to join their ministry. Father, would you send it? Would you send them? Father, let us hear testimonies of gifted leaders coming to support these men and women that are sitting in this place to, to, to run with the mandate with them, to be part of that family mission with them, God. And Father, I pray for people in the churches, God, that have been causing disruption or maybe they're just not healthy. Father, I pray for their healing. Or God, help them see a, a, a place that, that they can get healing, but they wouldn't cause disruption in your work. Lord, we need you. We thank you. We ask you all this in Jesus' name. Amen.